1 Peter chapter 1, I'm going to read the first three verses. We started this last week. Um, so the introduction talked about um, selected according to foreknowledge of God. I can't remember the title of the message, but anyway. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you, and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Title of this message tonight, Restored by His Great Mercy. Let's take the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and privilege we have to open your precious word. And I pray that you help us to study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So I pray that you'd speak to our hearts, encourage us, challenge us, increase our faith. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You notice he's, you know, as uh, we mentioned last week, of course, we're elect or chosen according to the foreknowledge of God. God has all knowledge. He knows beforehand what's, uh, what's going to come to pass. Um, and, of course, Peter's writing to those, you know, we talked about uh, in, in the area of Turkey mostly. But anyway, as we consider tonight, I titled this message, Restored by His Great Mercy, Webster's described the word mercy, Webster's 1828 dictionary, says this about mercy. That benevolence, mildness, or tenderness of heart, which disposes a person to overlook injuries, to treat an offender better than he deserves, the disposition that tempers justice, and induces an injured person to forgive trespasses and injuries, and to forbear punishment, or to inflict less than law or justice will warrant. In this sense, there is perhaps no word in our English language precisely synonymous with mercy. That which comes nearest to it is, what do you think? Grace. Somebody said, you know, often you hear this, mercy is God withholding what we deserve. It'd be a fitting definition. But so the idea, of course, of mercy is that uh, to treat an offender better than he deserves or to forbear punishment and so on. And the Bible says here in Peter that blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his uh, abundant mercy hath begotten us again. Notice that word again. And of course, begotten means, the idea is to give birth. Begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, God is a God of abundant mercy. The word abundant means to abound, to have in great quantity. It's overflowing. Titus 3, 5 through 7 the Bible says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us 
by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. In Lamentations chapter 3, you remember Jeremiah, as he looked over the city that had been that had been decimated and the people had been taken captive. And, you know, Jeremiah was left. He was allowed to go where, back. To, he was allowed to go wherever he wanted. And, you know, he was one of the prophesied. You need to submit to the Babylonians. You need to submit to their captivity and, and, and to their rule. And, and, and God will be with you. And, of course, the people refused it. And, and when they were taken captive, Nebuchadnezzar said, you look well, Jeremiah. And you let him do whatever he, he chooses. You give him a choice. He can come to Babylon. Babylon will take care of him, or he can stay in the land. And, of course, Jeremiah chose to stay in the land. But as he looked over the city that was decimated. He said this in Jeremiah 3, 21 to 23. This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. You see, the law says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Galatians 3.10 says, for as, for as many as of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Curse is everyone that kinneth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do that. So the law simply says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. If the children of Israel would have gotten what they deserved, God would have just destroyed them all. In fact, Paul, when writing to the church at Rome, said this in Romans 9.29, And as Isaiah said before, except the Lord of Sabaoth. That word Sabaoth has the idea of the God of judgment. It's used in, the, in James chapter 5, talking about judgment day is coming and the Lord of Sabaoth is going to judge. That's the idea there. Except the Lord of Sabaoth had left us a seed. We had been as Sodoma and been made like unto Gomorrah. You see, the Lord of Sabaoth was merciful to Israel and left them a seed, a remnant. You know, we have many great examples of God's mercy in the Bible. For example, go to Numbers chapter 10, or Numbers chapter 14, verse 10. Numbers 14. You know, God is a merciful, our God is, a, is abundant in mercy. Numbers chapter 14 and verse 10. Of course, this is this is the the, the uh, time that the children of Israel have have you know the spies have come back and they brought the evil report and and they they're all murmuring and complaining and they're they're ready to stone uh, Joshua and Caleb and ready to stone Moses too for that matter and 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 they rebelled against the Lord. The Lord said you know uh, go in and possess the land, but they refused to go in and 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 so in verse ten it says that but all the congregation bade stone them with stones. And the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. And the Lord said unto Moses, How long will this people provoke me? How long will it be ere they believe me? For all the signs which I have showed among them, I will smite them with the pestilence, and disinherit them, and make of thee. Now, in your King James Bible, what does thee mean? It's singular. Ye is always plural. Why is always plural T? Thee, thou, is always singular. So he's saying here, Moses, I'm going to make of you. I will make of thee a greater nation and mightier than they. And Moses said to the Lord, Then the Egyptians shall hear it. 
For thou broughtest up this people in thy might from among them, and they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land. For they have heard that the Lord art among this people, and thou, Lord, art seen face to face, and that thy cloud standest over them, and that thou goest before them by daytime in the pillar of cloud, and a pillar of fire by night. Now if thou shalt kill all this people as one man, then the nations which have heard the fame of thee will speak, saying, Because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land which he sware unto them, therefore he hath slain them in the wilderness. And now I beseech thee, let the power of my Lord be great, according as thou hast spoken, saying, The Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, I by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children of the third and fourth generation. Pardon, I beseech thee, the iniquity of this people, according unto the greatness of thy mercy. And as thou hast forgiven this people from Egypt even unto now. And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word. But as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles that died in Egypt and in the wilderness and have tempted me now these ten times and have not hearkened to my voice, Surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoke me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereunto he, I, he went, and his seed shall possess it. So, so the Lord pardoned them. But he did say, yeah, I'll pardon their iniquity. I won't kill them all now. But those that provoked me, will not go in. I won't destroy all of them. I'll take their children in. The Lord was merciful. The children of Israel. And so we, we see here that God is abundant in mercy. Uh, look, go to Psalm 103. Psalm Blessed, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. You know, there are a lot of benefits to following the Lord. There really is. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous. And there's a word again, plenteous, in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins. The other again is mercy. Nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass, the supplier of the field, so he flourisheth. So the Lord is merciful, the Lord is pitiful, uh, and is of abundant mercy. And so uh, he, we see here that his mercy is abundant. And by that abundant mercy, we have been begotten or born again we've been given new life the word begotten means to beget again or born again or born anew you know the bible uses the word regeneration there in in uh 
Titus chapter 3 and verse 5, it says, by the washing of regeneration. And the word, the word is only used twice in the Bible, but the word regeneration means recreate or a renewal. Restoration. You see, our relationship with God, our creator, is restored. Renewed when we get saved. In fact, he says in verse 2, that grace unto you and peace be multiplied. And the word peace is an interesting word. It, it, it means, of course, to reconcile. But, but one of the definitions there in Strong's was, is the idea to join. To join. And really, when you bring two people and, and they make peace, they join. They are all now on the same side. They now can work together. They're joined. They're joined. Yeah, that's why there's such great division in our country is because we're not joined. We're not unified. You know, there's, there's the liberals and then there's conservatives. And that's, it's, uh, I think it's kind of come to a fight. Uh, you know, so, so the idea here is that God ha we are restored or we have joined with God, you might say. Colossians 1.20 says, and having made peace. To be joined through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself. And notice this, by him. It's all by him. I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. You see, it is, it is, it was, and is God who initiated the effort to bring us back together. It's not us. In the Garden of Eden, who sought who? God sought Adam and Eve. In fact, you know, what did Adam say? Oh, the woman thou gavest me. She gave me and I did eat. And then what did Eve say? Well, the serpent he begot. Who made the serpent? God did. So really, in a, they were, what they were doing was blaming God. No, God sought Adam. God initiated this. Even though it was man that caused the separation, God initiated the join, bringing them back together. And we find this principle taught in the New Testament as well. In John chapter 4, when Jesus is speaking to the, the Samaritan woman, he says in John 4, 23, God seeks, the Father seeketh such to worship him. And the word seeketh there is that God is looking for, he's searching for, he, he's going after, if you will, those who will worship him in spirit and truth. John 3.16 says what? For God so loved the world. Not that man loved God, but for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You see, God initiated this. But who initiated the enmity between us? It was Adam. Go to Romans chapter 5. <clears throat> Romans chapter 5. <clears throat> Appreciate one of the things that was brought out. My wife mentioned this when she was doing Bible studies with these ladies. Is that was this very point? And I want you to see this here in Romans chapter five, verses six through ten, where it says, "For when we were without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die; yet peradventure for good men some would even dare to die." 
But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if, when we were enemies, notice that, when we were enemies, it doesn't say that God was an enemy against us. No, we were enemies against him. You know, notice it says, you know, for scarcely for a righteous man one die, yet peradventure for good man some would even dare to die. You know, God didn't, Christ didn't die for good people. He died for sinners. Who were the enemies of God? So if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So God initiated this joining together, this relationship being restored, even though it was us who initiated the separation or caused the separation. And Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3 and verse 5, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. So, there's, so, so we, we enter in, or we join into the kingdom of, kingdom of God, it's kingdom of God, I'm sorry, kingdom of God. Uh, we, we, you might say we join into that uh, be, uh, uh, through, the, through, through being born again, through re regeneration. You know, the, uh, the, uh, uh, Stephen kind of, gives us an illustration of this and when he was remember when he was before the Jews and they had accused him falsely and he was giving his testimony and he, and he said this in Acts 7:26 and the next day he showed himself speaking about Moses unto them as they strove so he showed himself back to his brethren and he, and and they were fighting and he and he said they would he would have set them at one in other words he 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 to reconcile them he to join them as one of course, they shoved them away and said, you know, who made thee a judge, and so on and so forth. So, so we are, through his abundant mercy, our relationship is restored. But not only that, we are renewed in life. It's not just, well, we're saved, and that's all there is to it. We are renewed in life. We are given a newness of life, a freshness of life, a quality of life that is not possible any other way. Notice what it says here in, in, in chapter uh, 1, verse 3 again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. A lively hope. The word lively means alive quick. You know, one of the, the, the outline of Bible usage gives this. It says to live, breathe, be among the living, not lifeless, not dead. To enjoy real life. To have true life and worthy of the name. To be active, blessed, endless life. You know, one of the phrases that the Bible uses of some of those Bible characters who have died, it uses this phrase, they died being full of days. Full of days. For example, 1 Chronicles 23.1 says, So when David was old and full of days, 
he made Solomon his son, king over Israel. Chapter 29, verse 28. And he died in a good old age, full of days, riches, and honor. And Solomon his son reigned in his stead. Second uh, Chronicles 24, 15. But Jehoiada waxed old and was full of days when he died. And 130 years old was he when he died. Job 42, 20, or 17. So Job died being old and full of days. Hey, Job lost all his children. And then God gives him more children. And Job lived to see his great, great grandchildren. Because of the blessing of God. Now, living to see your great, great grandchildren. You know, think about it. Grandchildren are wonderful. Great, great grandchildren. That's got to be really good. Uh, no, but Job lived. You know why? Because of the blessing of God. He had a he had a a a, a living or a full or a, a a life of an enjoyable life, full of satisfaction. He was at rest. A life with not all regrets. You know, all of us have some regrets in life. You know, the Bible says that David died being full of days. Do you think David had some regrets? I guarantee you he did. He had a child die. He had a son that was killed. He had two sons that was killed. Three sons that was killed. Two during his life. Um, you know, there were some heartaches in David's life. But it says he died full of days. We're not talking about a perfect life. But we're talking about a life where you can look back and see the blessing of God. And that you had the peace of God. That passeth all understanding. In fact, go to uh, Numbers chapter 23 here. I sort of told you to keep your place in Numbers. But Numbers chapter 23. <clears throat> and this is an interesting statement made about the children of Israel. But, you know, because we know, we, we know from reading the Bible, the children of Israel were, were far from, um, you know, sinless. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they just, you know, rebelled against the Lord many times. But once you notice here what, what the Lord says about them through an, an unusual character by the name of Balaam. You know, even, even a uh, perverted prophet can say things that are true. <laughs> uh, but anyway, in Numbers chapter 23, verse 18, it says, And he took up his parable and said, Rise up, Balak, and hear, hearken to me, thou son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said it, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Behold, I have received commandment to bless, and he hath blessed, and I cannot reverse it. He hath not, notice this, notice this phrase, he hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob. Now, you and I look at Jacob and say, wow, Really? Balaam says God does not behold or he does not see sin in Jacob. Now, that just get think about that. In our relationship to the Lord being justified by faith, God does not see us in iniquity. I don't care what you've done in the past. God doesn't see you in that. He sees you in the righteousness of Christ. Abundant mercy. <laughs> yeah. He said, I, he, I don't know, behold iniquity in Jacob. 
Neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. The Lord God is with him, and a shout of a king is among them. God brought them out of Egypt. He hath, as it were, the strength of a unicorn. Surely there is no enchantment against Jacob, neither is there any divination against Israel. According to this time, it shall be said of Jacob and of Israel, What hath God wrought? The word wrought means the idea of worked, or what God is bringing to pass. You know, God has worked in Jacob. God made them conquer their enemies, and, 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 and was, you know, of course, some of that was still yet future. But this was all God's doing. It wasn't Jacob's. It was of the abundant mercy of God. Israel had the abundant life. You know, and that's what God has given to us. That's what he's given to us. Look at Acts chapter 20. You know, we can have this in the midst. You know, it, and, it, and, and this life is not this pie in the sky, TV preacher, evangelist, uh, wealth and health gospel. That's not what we're talking about. You know, David had a lot of trials in his life. But the Bible says he died full of days. In other words, satisfied at rest. Used of the Lord. Had the blessing of God in his life. And look here in Acts chapter 20, verse 22. This is a testimony of Paul. And he says, And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. Saving that the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. You might say, what are you talking about? I mean, read, what is it, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 or 2 Corinthians chapter 12, where he tells, tells all the things that happened to him, being shipwrecked, being beaten thrice, uh, being whipped, being beaten with rods, stone left for dead, day and night in the deep, fought with beasts at Ephesus, you know, riots everywhere he goes. And he says, I'm going to finish my course with joy. What's he saying? I have joy in my heart. I have the peace of God that passeth all understanding. And he said, uh, and he's saying, what he's saying is, I'm going to die full of days. Rejoicing in the Lord. Not regretting the sacrifices I've made. And the hardships I've, enjoy, I've endured. Notice he goes on and says, and ministry, and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that ye all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. Where I, wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. You know, and you know what I think when I read that? I think there's a man that's going to die without a guilty conscience. He said, I have done what the Lord asked me to do. And my conscience is clear. I've not shunned. I've not kept anything from you that was profitable. Anything of the counsel of God, I've taught you everything. Even the things that 
you didn't want to hear. I've taught you. You know, there's a lot, many times we face trials, and of course, you know, Peter, the book of Peter is, is about that. Peter understood those trials. But many fa- times we go through hardships and trials in life. But when we look back, we can rejoice in the blessings of God. And so, you know, there is, there's this quality of life, a peace that the world knows nothing. And I, I like the, the song, Constantly Abiding. There's a peace in my heart the world never gave, a peace it cannot take away. Though the trials of life surround me like a cloud, I have a peace that has come there to stay. Constantly abiding, Jesus is mine. You see, God gives that quality of life. Again, I'm not talking about the, the wealth and health gospel. That's, that's a lie. That's a pipe dream. Nothing wrong with having wealth and nothing wrong with having health. But God didn't promise us that. But what he did promise us was peace, confidence, assurance, the blessed hope, and, and, the, pres- and, and the promise of his presence to go with us. And so uh, we can rejoice uh, in the quality. Not only do we have, not only has he given us life, but he's given us abundant life, a newness of life. And we're to walk in that newness of life. Look at Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Of course, this, this is really what the book of Romans, a lot of that is about, especially chapter 6, 7, and 8. But in chapter 6, uh, verse, verse 1 what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we lead that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism in the death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we all should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. You see, we can now walk in newness of life. We can overcome those things that destroy us, that are destroying us. We can have victory by obeying and submitting to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we can have that newness of life. He says he's begotten us again unto a lively hope. You know, Jesus said in John chapter 10 and verse uh, 10, The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. You know, I mentioned this morning that one of the tendencies uh, of demonic activity Demon possession is a a fascination for death. Violence. You see, Satan's a destroyer. He's a destroyer. That's one of his names, actually, in the Bible, is destroyer. Uh, And that's what he does. But Jesus said, I am come they might have life, and they might have it more abundantly. You see, God gives a quality of life. You don't mention was it Thursday night or Sunday night about uh, um, 
Yeah, I can't remember his name again. Evolution guy. Charles Darwin going to a, to a South American tribe and finding this remote people primitive. Really what the cause of that is they're without God. And, you know, they degenerate. After generation, after generation, they degenerate. They'll degenerate um, to that point. And said it would take a thousand years to bring them up to modern civilization standards. And ten years or so later, he goes back, and they're there. They have a language. They're singing. They're civilized. They're clothed. They have an, a form of government, and he cannot understand. What was it that gave him this quality of life? The gospel. A missionary. You see, God gives us a quality of life. You look at wherever in the world true Christianity goes and has great influence and nations prosper. Why do you think our nation is so prosperous? What's wrong with Afghanistan? What's wrong with, you know, many of the Middle Eastern countries or the African countries? What's wrong with them? It's their religions. They keep their people in poverty and ignorance. Why? So they can control them. Why was the Dark Ages called the Dark Ages? Because the Catholic Church kept everybody in ignorance. So they could control them. No. The Bible enlightens. Gives us wisdom. Gives us a newness of life. A quality of life. And brings about prosperity. Um, blessing. And so, so he has given us a lively hope. You know, we have that, but we have an expectation that we're looking for. We have, we have a, a strong assurance. Again, this, this, when it says lively hope, uh, you know, we're not just talking about, well, you know, I hope the sun comes up in the morning, or, well, I hope, you know, uh, that it's nice tomorrow. No, we know it's going to happen. We're ex it's an expectation. We are looking forward to the resurrection because Christ rose from the dead. All this we have because of his abundant mercy that God has shown to us. You know, we don't deserve it. We didn't initiate it. God loved us that he gave his only begotten son so that we could have eternal life. And not only have eternal life, but a quality of life here on earth being witness and testimony for him. Help us, might God help us to rejoice and to appreciate the mercy of God.